time. My name's Derek. I yeah. have the coolest yeah. voice. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm so freaking cool. I'm scared to have a bliss the whole time. Oh my god, no. <laughs> I need to die You're right done. now. Sorry. Dude, if you, hit, if you just hit us first, like, hi guys. Hi everybody. <laughs> yeah, Derek, don't pretend. <laughs> Give him your real voice. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. We are doing a special episode today uh, in light of some of the things that have happened over the last week or two. Uh, we want to really address some specific issues. We've actually got a couple different guests who are going to join us on the show today, starting with um, one of our own church members here, uh, Chad Bianco. Welcome. Yeah, and I forgot to tell you, you're on video too. Did yeah. you know that? I uh, guess. If yeah. all these little tiny cameras pointing in your face yes. weren't I yeah. figured enough. something was going on here. Yeah, so <laughs> since you're in the political arena, you got to smile for the ladies, smile to the babies. I don't think babies watch this. Oh, yeah. They well, might. Mine well, does some sometimes. Do. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Well, thanks for being yeah. here. Uh, Chad's uh, just a good friend of mine and uh, is running for political office. And so, you know, Sandals, we don't endorse anybody uh, because that's not what we do, but we do like you. And so you can check him out at chadbiancoforsheriff.com. Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's correct. A mouthful. Yeah. Chadbiancoforsheriff.com. Oh, Facebook too. Yeah. And not only that, so we're church members, we're neighbors, we're friends. Right. We used to be fellow athletes until one of us quit. Exactly. One of us had to quit. One of us got old. (laughs) All right. I do love you. Sorry. Thanks for being on the show. So, Pastor Matt, you wanted to talk to Chad about some specific things based on what happened in Pittsburgh this weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I I think all of us are are drawn to some events, you know, um, you know, if you're African-American, you know, when there's a shooting involving a black person and a a police officer, I think you kind of perk up. Um, If it's something that happens to women, you know, and you're a woman, Mm -hmm. that grabs your attention. And certainly for me, when there's uh, a shooting that takes place at a a church or religious uh, institution of any kind, it just automatically grabs my heart. And that's my worst fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any any one of our campuses is that something violent would happen like that. And so I just thought, man, um, I wasn't preaching this weekend. Our campus pastors did a great job. But I thought this is a great opportunity just to talk about this. You know, how how do we um, respond to this? Certainly, church attendance goes down uh, when we have an event like this because people are afraid and they're nervous. Um, and so, um, let me just start off. I think with um, the first question, which would be, if you're elected as sheriff, and a lot of people don't know that sheriffs run for office. So you are currently you are you are currently a sheriff. How does that work? I'm a member of the sheriff's department. Okay. I'm a lieutenant within the sheriff's department. We have a bunch of different ranks, but the actual sheriff, yeah. uh, there's there's one person that controls the entire department, and that person is elected into office. That's mm. the only law enforcement officer that's elected. Mm. I would want to run for sheriff just so I could say for the rest of my life, there's a new sheriff in town. Yes. Like, I would find a saloon. I might <laughs> say that once or twice. And Stephanie and I would go to a saloon. <laughs> oh, yes. And we would walk in. Mm-hmm. And I would say we'd kick those little swinging bar doors open. There's yes. a new sheriff in town. Yeah, you have to find one with the swinging yeah. doors. Yeah, if you know of some, please send it into the show so we can find that. Yeah, That'd be great. If you win, we should have a party. What, what do you call those things? Those doors? Oh, I, I just call them little swinging little bar swingy doors. doors. I don't think that's the name. <laughs> I don't think that's the just real so name you at can all. come in and say saloon doors. There's saloon a new doors. sheriff in there town. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> saloon doors. About this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I might say it once or twice. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> man, I would love to say that. I would also say there's two ways we can do this: the easy way or the hard way. See, aren't you glad I'm not a police officer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? yes. Yeah. We all said amen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my first question is, um, you know, if, if you're elected sheriff, 
how are you going to work with religious organizations where, let's be honest, it doesn't matter whether you're a mega church like Sandals Church, you're a small synagogue, a small Baptist church, you're a Muslim mosque. All of us have to be a little nervous about gathering for worship. So how would you partner with uh, religious institutions? You know, we want to gather, we're gathering for peaceful purposes, but we live in a world where there's crazy, violent people and we want our doors to be open and not just to healthy people. The church is open to unhealthy people. Um, and even angry people, we want we want to be open and available to them and help them uh, understand this. So, so how would you partner with us as a religious organization? What would that look like if you were sheriff for every religious organization in Riverside County? What what kind of relationship could we have with you? Yeah, that's that's a great question. We're going to have a very good relationship, one that we don't have now. Okay, and uh, that's part of my platform is involving all of our churches, all of our different faiths into uh, a community, basically complete organization that helps with law enforcement. Uh, we can't, law enforcement can't fix all of our woes by ourselves, right. and citizens can't either and the churches mm -hmm. can't either. But what we're dealing with, especially what we're talking about now, we have to work hand in hand to, to address these issues and to fix these issues. Mm -hmm. So we have many different uh, training programs, uh, Unfortunately, what we're talking about now is active shooters. Yeah, uh, we have a lot of training that we do for schools. We don't do them for churches necessarily, mm -hmm. uh, but I believe that a, a church is a very soft target. That yeah, you know, we have to start worrying about this because mm -hmm. there are people that target them just because of the nature mm -hmm. of them being a church and the religious organization. So, the involvement that we're going to have is going to be great, and I will be encouraging all of our employees uh, to get involved with everything in the community, churches, you know, different organizations, civic organizations, right. things like that. But we will have to, we're talking about safety. We're talking about how are we going to keep each other safe? How mm -hmm. are we going to keep you safe? And that has to involve education. It has to involve involvement. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just don't do that now. There's a, there's a divide and we respond after. We're not actively trying to stop things first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I don't think it was uh, Riverside Sheriff. I think it was Riverside Police Department. They actually did an active shooter drill mm -hmm. on our campus. And so I came one that's day nice. and there was a bunch of guys in SWAT, which made me a little nervous. But mm -hmm. once I found out it was a drill, I was like, okay, that's good. So, you know, it is somewhat controversial. Um, even uh, from uh, the police standpoint, whether or not um, religious institutions should have armed protection. Uh, you know, President Trump has spoken out about his opinion uh, I don't know if it was the sheriff or the police chief from Pittsburgh, but um, you know he spoke his opinion, and and they were different opinions, and so that's part of the challenge, you know, for religious communities is when even from um, police there are differing opinions on on what churches and religious organizations and institutions should do. What what is your position on a church like Sandals uh, in terms of protecting ourselves? Um, and, and, you know, I think we need to rely on the police for some things, but we have to do some things proactively for ourselves. So what, what is your position on that? Well, I, I fully believe that we should have a, an active involvement of, of arming our church and, and protecting the people that are coming here. And I don't necessarily believe that we have to have uniformed police officers out there. It's kind of intimidating. People right. are coming here for a safe haven. People are coming here that may... You know, they may be wanted by the law or something. Right. But one thing that I do know with here, uh, I mean, we've been doing this a long time, our security yeah. here. And uh, I know a lot of law enforcement officers that that come to this church. And typically law enforcement officers are, are religious uh, people. And, right. you know, we have to be. Yeah. And so they should be involved in their churches. And a a concerted effort amongst the church to uh, churches to 
to have some type of a a an armed response, especially from law enforcement officers that are protecting in plain clothes and they're they're not necessarily they just have to be aware. Right. The problem with one of these, an armed shooter coming to a church is they're going to be there for quite a while before law enforcement actually responds. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have to think of that. We have to know what we're going to do beforehand and we have to have somebody here uh, to be able to to prevent that. And if the if the shooter, if the, if the suspect, if the person that's trying to do harm to a church knows that that church is armed, right. they're, they're not going to go there. Yeah. Yes, I, I think, you know, our church is probably reflective of America. And so what I would say is they're probably divided on this issue. You know, mm-hmm. probably 50% of Sandals Church is like, yeah, amen, you know, you should be armed. And then there's probably another 50% that have deep concerns about that and, um, you know, wanting to be in a place without guns. Um, so what would you speak to the 50% of our church who are uncomfortable with maybe there being an armed presence um, and I know at Sandals Church, the only people who are armed are law enforcement officers, both in uniform or out of uniform. So they're trained, they have a license, you know, and they're able to do that. What would you say to those people, uh, maybe to make them feel more comfortable because they, they're, they're just a little squeamish around our guns. Yes. I mean, I didn't grow up in a family with guns. Um, my, my dad didn't have one. My, my mom gets very, very uncomfortable around them. And so just the idea of being around that makes them nervous. What would you say to well, back to what you said, and I believe that that's how it should be is, is the law enforcement officers should be right. the ones that are armed here because we we are trained for that. And we react a little bit different than the normal person. There, right. There's not a, a terrified reaction. There's more of a proactive enforcement yeah. reaction. Uh, but for, for those that are squeamish of guns or, or that don't believe that there should be guns here, that's okay for you, but you have to realize that I don't think like that. Mm-hmm. And I am completely comfortable around guns. I've had I've been around guns my entire life. I've been armed almost every day of my life for 25 years. I've never shot anybody. I've mm-hmm. never pulled my gun out and, you know, scared somebody in public anything like that. So guns are guns are a scary tool. Right. And uh, some people that are not familiar with them or are not comfortable around them believe that everyone should not be. Right comfortable around them, but that's not the reality. The reality is that, especially law enforcement officers, are very comfortable with their guns. We deal with them, train with them all the time. And we know that it's a tool as a last resort to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And you should be comfortable knowing that there are plainclothes officers in your church that are looking out for your safety. Yeah. All right, let me ask you just a political question. You know, we have a lot, you know, San Jose is a very, very large church. And we have a lot of people who are potentially interested in politics uh, you know, I've watched you uh, prior to your political engagement. I've watched you during a very difficult campaign, um, the last one, um, and then you've learned some things and, and watched you in this one. So you're a seasoned uh, politician. I know you don't maybe like that term because you're a sheriff, but the reality is you've entered into the political realm. How hard has it been for you to to be a Christian um, and to uh, enter into a political arena, which can be very, very dirty and very, very difficult and at times ugly, um, how has that been for you as a Christian? It, it has been difficult. And, uh, you know, my beliefs, my Christian beliefs, how I want to treat people, how I want to act, um, my, you know, how you're, how you're raised with, you know, integrity and, yeah. and honesty and, and, and justice and those types of Christian beliefs, really. Uh, they really do, it really does try on you when, mm-hmm. when you're going through a campaign, especially against someone that is not. And uh, the lies, uh, the just uh, attacks on on me and my family, 
and I mean, you you really have to pray it a lot mm-hmm. more yeah. than normal. Yeah. Uh, because if not, then you you will do exactly what they do, and you will, uh, you know, th- I don't like being called a politician. I don't consider yeah. myself a politician because there's that kind of there's a there's a a preconceived notion that that politicians are all corrupt. Right. And um, I'm not going to say that. All of them aren't, right. um, but not all of them are. Sure, and it's uh, I, I I really encourage all the time when I'm out speaking. I I like speaking at churches because I encourage Christians to get into politics because I believe that that's what we're missing. Yeah. We're missing those Christian values and 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 those the caring about others more than yourself and wanting to do good for everyone else. We're missing that, and it gets a little bit too selfish in politics, and that's where they go awry. And um, you know, we pray a lot. We pray, you know, 2014 when it, it didn't work out how right. we wanted to. I really did figure out in hindsight, I was praying for the wrong thing. Mm. I was praying to win. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't praying for where I was supposed to be or what I what was really supposed to happen or where really God wanted me to be or right. where he was leading me. And after that, it really changed. And it got to be where the our, our prayer now is just, you're guiding, you're walking, and mm-hmm. I'll just keep going. And if doors open, they open. If they close, they close. And everything is good with us. And so this one's been a lot better for Denise and I, uh, a lot easier, a lot less stress, because we really are relying on prayer and we are relying on God to keep us sane right. uh, rather than trying to do it on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, I would encourage all of our uh, people uh, at Sandals Church, if you feel led to be politically involved, to do that, um, because it's important that we have good people on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. um, who have integrity, who have values, who have character, and who want to do the right thing. And um, and I think that that's really, really important um, just uh, for Christians to know, both young and old, that we need to, to, to be involved and um, to be active. But just know, like Chad said, it is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does get ugly. Um, that's just kind of the nature of Politics, you know, I, probably like you, you know, we watch the news at night, and literally there'll be one ad t- telling about how this person is terrible, awful, and then the next, and then you're just like, oh my gosh, is there nobody good running? Because mm-hmm. both of these people are just dirtbags, and you're like, well, that's paid by these commu- you know, um, these uh, political action packs or whatever to just slam the other person, and it really hasn't become about ideas. It hasn't it has, you know, the, the discourse isn't about here's what I would do. It's about, here's why this person is terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's really fear tactics on both sides. And that's really, really unfortunate and ugly. Um, it's the nature that we're, we're in, we're in a society of fear. I yeah. mean, we're the, the bullying and the, the shootings and everything is about fear. The media is about fear. How can we scare you? Or how can we, you know, make you worry about your safety? It, it's, it's an odd time that we're in, yeah. I think. It really, really is. And so, um, you know, I, I worry about my kids uh, for that. You know, I want them to grow up in a society not being afraid of, of every single thing that they do. And mm-hmm. it's really bizarre to me how different their world is from the world that I grew up in, you know? Yeah. Um, the only thing I was worried about as a kid when I left the home to ride my bike was not being home in time for dinner. You know, yeah. nowadays <laughs> parents don't want the kid to leave the lawn, you know, mm-hmm. because they're terrified of what's gonna happen. Um, is there anything that you just would like to share with our listeners? Um, you know, thanks for coming in. I know you have a super busy schedule. Um, anything you wanna share just, just with our people that are listening? Make sure you vote. Yeah. Make sure you vote. It's you know apathy is a is a serious problem right. in our society today, and we like to we like to complain about everything going on around us, but we we sit back and complain, and we don't really step up and do something about it. Right. And uh, voting 
in the United States of America. That's one of the privileges and rights that we have that most people don't in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, to not take advantage of that is unfortunate and then complain the rest of the year or four years or two years, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, that they're doing something wrong when you could get out there and try and make a difference. So I encourage everyone to make sure you get out and vote on Tuesday. Next yeah. two, we're seven days away. Well, and a lot of people don't think about the race for sheriff, just for our, maybe our listeners that um, don't know a lot about the role. What is the sheriff in charge of? I mean, what we're Sheriff is in charge of the largest law enforcement agency in the county. We have not only patrol for the unincorporated areas, but we control all of the jails, mm. uh, all of the courts, and also the we're the public administrator of the coroner's bureau. Mm. So it's a, it's a very large... Uh, duty, large responsibility, and it's uh, it's the largest. Uh, you're you are the. Yeah, I don't want to say the word most powerful, but you're the the law enforcement official. The sheriff is voted on by the entire county. That's the only politician right. in the county that is like that. Not broke into districts. It's the mm. entire county. Mm. So it uh, two point four million people is a lot of people that I've got to go out there and reach and uh, take care of after as a law enforcement officer. So yeah, that's like Idaho, important. Montana, and North and South Dakota. <laughs> right, the, <laughs> right, the state of Utah is yeah. almost the same size. Yeah, okay, that's better. Better analogy. Yeah. He's sharper than I am. Yeah, he's probably been I didn't know how many people there. Utah I've, I've read that once, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't that crazy? It is. There's so many people. We're, we're a big county, and it's the sheriff is a, it's a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really, I need everybody to vote. Obviously, I need you to vote for me. Uh, but I want people to be informed and I want people to know that the, the real stark 180 degree difference between what we currently have and what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. And I think when people get up to speed with that, I think there's really only one option and that's to vote for me. <laughs> My opinion. Of yeah. course, of course. Um, I have one more question because we're actually going to switch this episode and talk more specifically about just Christian response to what happened in Pittsburgh and all that. We've got a lot of folks who listen to this show who aren't a part of Sandals Church. They go to smaller churches in other areas. And are probably wondering the same thing. You know, Sandals has a pretty detailed security plan of how we do this, of having, you know, plainclothes officers and all that. What are some good first steps for people and pastors of smaller churches who are, you know, coming out of this weekend knowing they need to make some changes? What are some good first steps for them to maybe partner with local law enforcement or what would you suggest? They for them? definitely need to partner with local law enforcement for sure. Your local police agency or if you're in the county, contact the sheriff's department. But really they should know their own constituency and they should know the the people that attend that church. And your best asset is off-duty law enforcement officers. Mm-hmm. And they need to reach out to them. And those law enforcement officers need to approach the church. If it's, if it's something at the church that's not going on yet, they need to step up and they need to volunteer and they need to try and make a difference also. But local law enforcement is your best asset. That's what we have here, uh, you know, with the, with the armed response is, is, is law enforcement officers. Right. And there are many, many, many out there. So that's what I would encourage them to do is, is reach out to those first and, and then your local agencies. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming by and uh, we'll be thank praying you for you. Thank Voting you. day is what? Next Tuesday, Next seven Tuesday. days from now. Wow. It's coming up. It's almost over. It is almost. <laughs> yeah. You've done well, Get my back friend. back to normal. Thanks for being here. All thank right, you. Thanks. Well, hey, everybody, we are going to jump into our next segment of the show uh, coming out of our conversation with Chad Bianco. We want to go ahead and talk specifically about a lot of questions that you guys have sent in about what happened in Pittsburgh this weekend with a shooting where um, 11 people lost their lives at a synagogue in Pittsburgh this weekend. We've also seen um, you know, some racially motivated crime with you know a couple of um, black people that were shot by a white man who actually tried to enter a predominantly black church right before that um, in Kentucky. Um, we've got mail bombs being sent out to some Democrats and news agencies. Um, we've got, you know, a bunch of migrants working their way toward the border with some very um, 
harsh words from people on both sides of that. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on in our country right now, and we've got a lot of great questions from you guys. So, Pastor Matt, let's go ahead and dive in and start answering. Yes, some we're going to start juggling the hand grenades. <laughs> so, Derek, my friend, we've been friends for I don't know how long. Over at least since yeah. you had yellow hair. Yeah, that was a well, maybe ago. not then. That's yeah. when I was questioning you. Yeah, I'm glad so, I made it through this. Yeah, so we have Derek hanging out, yep. and then we have, of course, the Tim Holly. So helping out with the hosting and yes. immediately insecure about the way my voice sounds now. That yeah, Derek next is to here. Derek. It's ridiculous. I think this was on purpose. Yeah. You found the one man. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you take the grenade, you pull yeah. the pen, hand it to Derek, then he'll hand it to me, and then yeah. I'll try not to have this thing go yeah. off while we answer all of these <laughs> oh, politically and charged things. I'll try to just things. jump in and say, oh, well, let's not yeah. say that so that we can move on. Yeah, so why, why don't maybe today we have the theme of chill out, mm. hashtag chill out. Yes. Um, We've got yeah. some soothing voices here on the show to help yeah. with that. Yeah. I feel like my spiritual gift though is, I am able to offend anyone at any time, regardless of race, religion, culture, sexual orientation. I feel like that's my gift. <laughs> that is my gift to the earth. So I'm going to try to oh, not wow. do that. Yeah. That's, um, that's why I've had a job here. Our yeah, you have a job here. Yes. Smooth it all over. Yes. You are my <laughs> Holy Spirit. He is really nice. Everyone. My non-resourceful well. one in my life. Praise God. Yes. Each of us. Everybody needs role. an unhealthy one yeah. in their life. Yeah. Keep us on the rails. <laughs> yes. Keep yes. us on the rails. Well, There's a little healthy in there too. All right. A little healthy. Not yeah. as much little, as unhealthy, yeah. but it's okay. Is there a healthy one? <laughs> hey, oh. If you're one listening to this episode, we, we love you. Love yeah. and respect you. And we're thankful for you. Yes. We know you're voting. Okay. That's right. <laughs> because it is your obligation. Amen. Let's dive right in. We have a question from Ethan. How do we as Christians show love and support to our Jewish brothers and sisters in this time? Yeah, I would just say be a Christian. I mean, so part of the problem is we have a bunch of people claiming to be Christians that aren't. And, and that's the reality. And you just gotta know at Sandals Church, not everybody who claims to be a Christian is, and that's just the reality. Uh, that goes for um, people who attend our church, people who are on our staff, shoot, even pastors who have served at our church. Man, that is the reality. Not everyone is what they claim to be. It's why Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy. He calls it yeast in leaven. So it spreads instantaneously. It spreads throughout all of it. And so we all have to be aware that not everybody among us is one of us. And so we need to make sure that just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, they're on Christian Mingle, they wear a Christian t-shirt, they have a Christian tattoo, uh, man, it doesn't mean that's what they are. Uh, somebody left a, just a really nasty post on my wife's uh, Instagram this week, literally that contained uh, the F word and it wasn't faith. Um, and then when we went to their, their uh, page to see who it was that left this comment, it was like loving God and people, you know? <laughs> and you're just like, uh, okay. So, uh, you know, in this age of like total hypocrisy where people, you know, say one thing and do another, what we need to do is actually be Christians, follow Christ. Jesus said, they will know you by your fruit. And so what that is, the evidence of God in your life. Um, and, if, and if, you know, John just says this, if you don't know love, you don't know God. So we need to be loving, we need to be kind, and we need to reach out to, um, you know, our Jewish community and reassure them and just love on them. Um, and just, you know, our hearts break for them because what happened was, I, I hate that people you're using the word tragedy it was not a tragedy. It was an act of evil and an mm -hmm. act of terror. You know, tragedy is when an airplane crashes or a car crashes. And so we use that word, um, this was evil. That's what it yeah. was. It wasn't tragic. It was evil. It was horrific. Um, you know, Derek, you have a better mastery of the English language. Can you think of any <laughs> adjectives to describe this other than the word tragic? I mean, it just, right. You know, tragedy is something, um, you know, that's like, it, it's bizarre, it's weird, it's whatever. This this literally is evil. And we don't use that word enough in our society. This is an act right. of evil. Um, um, 
you know, whether the guy's sane or not, mm -hmm. it's evil. Right. Um, you know, evil does not always need a sane person to act out. And so that's the reality. And so it just, just was evil. And so we need to uh, mourn and pray. And so here's what I would say is whether you're on the left or the right, you know, God doesn't want you to be a Democrat or Republican or a Libertarian. God wants you to be a Christian mm. and you need to be loving and, and so here's the thing, everybody says we shouldn't politicize it. And then the very next sentence, they're politicizing it. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are. Um, you know, and that's just par for the course for politicians. There's a lot at stake. A lot of you uh, don't know what uh, um, literally politics is. This was the definition I was taught. I was a political science major. So the definition that I was given in school is politics is the struggle for who gets what, when, where, and how. It is a struggle. It is a struggle for power, for who gets what, when, where, and how. And so, right, that gets dirty. I mean, it, it yeah. gets dirty. I mean, I, you know, if Derek and I, you know, play ping pong against each other, we might love Jesus game one, but by game four, man, you know, like I'm all over, I'm praying for his demise, <laughs> you know? I mean, so we have be to be careful. So here. once we once we get into, you know, struggle, I mean, it's why it's why you shake hands at the beginning of a sporting event. It's much harder to shake hands at the end, mm, yeah. you know? And so, and, and so we see that, um, and it's hard to lose. I mean, right, Dodger fans? <laughs> it's it's hard, Let's man. Let's not talk about that yet. Yeah, but it's it's real, man. You know, the Red Sox won and ugh, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so, so be a Christian. That's what I'd say. Be a Christian. You, you don't need to act any other way than normal. Mm. Normal. Yeah. And, and, and let me just tell you this. At times of mourning, it's not about your words. It's about your presence. Yeah. And so what I would say is people that talk too much, man, you're going to say the wrong thing eventually. And yeah. believe me, I, as one who talks, <laughs> I have, I have, I don't know why Derek's laughing so much, but I have, I have said the wrong thing. And sometimes you just need to sit there and say, I don't know what to say, but I love you. And I, and I care for you. Um, and Derek, you know, your, your wife is Jewish and this, yeah. um, you know, strikes to the heart of who she is and her family is. And so what would you say is, I mean, you're going to, um, be around, you know, this holiday season, you know, um, Jews, Orthodox Jews, uh, some reformed Jews, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a topic of conversation. So what would you say? Yeah, no, I think it's what you're saying is really good that having presence first and foremost, because I think we can we can tend to get to a point where we're like, I need to do something, say something, fix it. Like we have, uh, I was reading uh, Eugene Peterson a couple weeks ago. He's like, we have this messianic complex. Mm -hmm. where it's like, I need to be the Messiah and fix it rather than we need to let God kind of do his work and point out where he's moving. And so, yeah, I think that a, a good thing to do is to not not assume that you have the same experience that they do. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I get what you're going through. You know, that kind of thing. We, we want to be so quick to say, oh, how are you feeling? Oh, I felt that way and here's what I did. Rather than really enter into it with the disposition of a learner. Mm -hmm. You know, to, I, I think compassion really comes from understanding. You know, empathy mm -hmm. comes from understanding. And so to really seek to understand, you know, what are you going for, uh, through? And there's something really healing, I think, for the other person to be able to express to somebody they know cares. You know, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And just to be there for them. And then I, it also enriches us too, because we get to be able to almost carry it in a sense for them as well. And then thinking that, well, if we're really leaving it to God to do the healing, what, how are we praying for them? Mm -hmm. Are we preaching at them or are we praying for them? Right. And in a, a prayerful mm -hmm. disposition listening. So. Yeah, and I think you need to fight current culture. And, and like what Derek is saying is current culture says you need, to, you need to say something. You need to instantaneously have a thought. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is that's actually the problem. Everybody feels like they instantaneously has to have a thought and they're reacting with emotion rather than wisdom. And it leads into this just really, really, you know, just difficult, ugly thing. And so 
um, you know, uh, I waded into something political during the Kavanaugh hearing and I wish I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like I literally was like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? That was so <laughs> foolish. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Twitter it, and social media in general is not the realm of wisdom. I mean, it, it just isn't. And so people aren't giving you the benefit of the doubt. They're not saying, oh, well, I love you. And I, I know you meant well. Mm-hmm. They're responding to their, their worst fear of whatever that is. So I would especially say on social media, you know, something about love and caring, um, you know, and really there's two aspects, you know, I think generally people will post like pray for Pittsburgh. Well, okay, yes, we need to pray for Pittsburgh, but specifically we need to pray for Jews in in, in Pittsburgh because Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh has been wounded, but a group has been targeted within Pittsburgh. And so we, we, we we need to make sure that we don't just lump them all together. We have a specific group who's been targeted in the worst attack on Jews in American history. This is, this is terrible. Um, and so, you know, we want to pray for Pittsburgh, but in all of these things, you know, whether it's Orlando or wherever it is, you know, like in Orlando, we need to remember the gay community in Orlando because they were the ones that were targeted. And so we need to do that. And, um, because, you know, what happened to those Jewish people is, uh, it's not, it's, it, it, it's going to be with them for the living for the rest of their lives. I mean, there's going to be, um, empty, empty chairs at Hanukkah. There's going to be, um, you know, uh, empty seats at birthday parties. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, man, it, there's just literally uh, the pain is going to be lifelong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, I think one of the ways that we can pray specifically for them, uh, the uh, synagogue is called the Tree of Life Synagogue. And a lot of people, you know, for Christians, that word has uh, meanings for us that it does not have for the Jewish community. So for the Christian community, right, it, it's the tree in Revelation. Mm-hmm. And so it's the tree by which we eat and the nations are healed. For the Jewish community, it comes from Proverbs 3.18. Uh, and if you haven't read Proverbs 3, it's a fantastic chapter. But Proverbs 3.18 says that um, that the word of God is a tree of life for all those who cling to it. And so we need to pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters as they cling to the word of God, uh, which for them is, is their tree of life. And so, you know, for, for us ultimately as Christians, it's Christ who was hung on a tree. Mm. That's our tree of life. But the word of God is powerful uh, you know, the, the New Testament speaks wholeheartedly of the power and, and, and just really the need for, for the Hebrew Bible and why we need to know that because it's how we begin to know and understand who God is. And mm-hmm. so we wanna pray for many Jews um, who are going to question their faith. I mean, um, Judaism, like all major religions in the world is losing converts uh, of younger people. Younger people are walking away from their faith. And mm-hmm. so um, if you look at the victims, most of them were older people. I don't know that there was a victim under the age of 50. Mm. And so that's uh, that's sad for the Jewish faith because mm-hmm. young Jews are not participating in synagogue. And, um, you know, I believe that what, what the scripture says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Young people are wiser when they know the word of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Jews will be wiser when they know the word of God. And so we wanna pray that there's a revival of, amongst uh, Jews for Judaism and going to synagogue and being a part of a religious community. and. And I think that's so, so important. And so it's just interesting to note that uh, in all Western civilizations, there's just a struggle for young people to connect with God. And mm-hmm. right. um, and again, that's why what we do at Sandals is so important. We're trying to connect not old people to God and, and oftentimes older people. And we thank God for the older people in our church uh, because they've said no to so many of their traditions so we can say yes to younger people. And mm-hmm. I think that that's so important. So thanks Derek for sharing. We'll be praying for you and your wife and um, you know yeah. just her, um, I love Kim and, and just, you know, her amazing family. And, um, you know, th- it's just, it's really scary. And for Jews, man, this just comes up constantly. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's literally 
millennia long, millennia is long. I mean, thousands of years of this. And so it's, it's just difficult and um, it, it, it's terrible. And uh, this is just, a, just, this is a, just a terrible, terrible spot in the history of mm-hmm. American culture. And um, it's just sad that one person can act and it just affects so many lives forever. Yeah. So, so I would say be a Christian, be like Jesus. Yeah. And so on the response to the person who actually has done this, Claire sent in a question and said, they're talking about giving this man uh, the death penalty. What does the Bible say about that? Um, she says, obviously we don't want someone who's committed murder on the streets, but is it also committing murder by sentencing him to death? If he's not a Christian, that means that it would send him to hell, which is really sad. What should we do? Or how should well, we yeah, that's that? a, man, that, I, I think that's a that's a powerfully uh, worded question that's rooted in emotion. And so what was her name? Clara. Clara, thank you. Thank you for your heart and for your emotion. So what we wanna do is we, we want to uh, not be led by our emotions, but by the word of God. And so what does the word of God teach? So yes, you're right. The Bible says, you know, thou shalt not kill. It's one of the 10 commandments, Exodus 20, 13. Uh, the Hebrew word is ratzak, which is murder. Um, you know, and just just like in English, we, we have lots of words for killing. So slay, slaughter, smite. Well, we don't say smite anymore. Uh, um, but uh, but that means to strike in such a way as to kill. So <laughs> that's that's what it means. Mm-hmm. But um, so, so the, the 10 commandments speak against you individually acting on your own. So, uh, this guy violated the Ten Commandments, so he violated that. He acted on his own and he took life, multiple lives. How many did you say? Eleven. Eleven. So he violated this commandment ten times. So then, when we look at Scripture, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that he who has taken blood, he, he himself his blood must be taken. Mm. And so, um, so, so we have a command, right? So um, we have a command not to kill, and then we have a command of how to respond to killing. So now that becomes a problem because not everybody in America is Christian. People have their own philosophical ideas, their own uh, religious ideas, their own personal opinions. So as Christians, we, we have we have two thoughts here. So so one is don't you yourself kill, um, d- don't do that. The other is the community must respond to killing. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is, how does the community respond? And so let me just say this: you know anybody that's super excited about this guy dying. Um, which to be honest was probably my initial emotional response. My initial emotional response is, yeah, I'll kill him, uh, which is sin in my own heart. We need to approach the death penalty soberly. Um, It's a terrible response to sin, but it is a biblical response to sin. You know, we, we, as a community, we have to mourn when someone kills someone. Mm. And part of the way that we do that is as a community, we judge. And so a lot of people, you know, we talk about stoning um, as, as something horrific and awful, and it was, but what it was, initially, and the reason that it's commanded in scripture, it's the community judging. Mm. Everybody gets a rock. Mm. Everybody participates. Everybody's saying this cancer cannot exist in our community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the problem with American judgment is it's reserved for these strangers, you know, and, and it's kind of tucked away and we don't see it. And, and, and it's not the community saying that. And so, um, you know, is it biblical for this person to be put to death? Yes, of course. Now there are Christians that would disagree. There are, uh, you know, um, probably some Christians that I know, but biblically there is, um, there is justification for that. But again, it should be sober. We should, we should be heartbroken that this is the reality. I mean, if you're excited about putting somebody to death, that's really a problem with you. Right. Um, but just because we don't want to do something doesn't mean that we, we, sh- we shouldn't do it. It means sometimes, man, there, there are things that happen that are so horrific, there must be judgment. Mm-hmm. And so that's really my next concern. And let's kind of talk about this is, you know, she said, this guy would go to hell and that makes me sad. And so um, certainly we we don't want to rejoice for anyone to go to hell, Mm-mm. but it, it, 
if hell is not for someone like this, what is hell for? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of part of the reason I, I we I you know, and Derek, I want to get your comments on this, but this guy walked into a religious ceremony, and some people don't know this, but a family was dedicating their eight-year-old son mm. who's going through the process of circumcision. So if you have your eight-year-old boy who's going through the Jewish ritual of, of, of being a Jewish male, he's he, he, right. That's one of the one of the services that was taking place in the synagogue. It's why, you know, a lot of people don't understand why the rabbi was because there were multiple things happening. And so the rabbi is going around and he's participating in each of these events for as much as he can. And that's like, if that isn't evil, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I I appreciate your heart and I think your intent is that you don't want anyone to go to hell. But I think if we can be reasonable, this is where we say, okay, this is why there is a hell. Because that there are certain acts that are are so horrific and so ugly and so terrible. This is why God judges. Because this human being was despicable and evil and he did harm that is unfixable in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think my first thought is this is a really complicated question, really complex question. I mean, because you're dealing on one hand with, you know, what is biblical in a sense? What is the biblical teaching? And that's even a hard word to just throw out there in terms of how, you know, we live as believers and how we should participate in, allow for in terms of government. And so, I mean, you've got these two huge different things. Um, And then it comes, and then the last one that you touched on too, if if he's not a Christian, it says the death penalty would send him to hell, which is really sad. And um, yeah, and I think for that, it's actually not the death penalty that's sending this guy to right. hell. If you know, it's it's God judging, right? right. And so I think one so of the, the death penalty would send him to the throne of Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And God and God will judge yeah. him. You know, and, I, yeah. and so I think that it's it's really hard to do this because we want to see. It, it's very easy to see evil out there, right? And this is a very clear manifestation of evil. This guy Mm -hmm. killed people in cold blood because of their race. I mean, clear, this guy, what he did was evil. And it's hard too, because when you think about what we believe, it's like people are made in the image of God though. This guy's made in the image of God and he's gone so bad, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. that now he's this far kind of off the rails. And so when we see sin out there, another thing to do, I think that maybe helps with the the judgment aspect is to see sin in here. You know, like it's, it's, a different degree, but it's not a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the thing that he has and the thing that we has, we have. And I think that that can be helpful in us not, you know, getting on our judgment horse and being like, I'm gonna be, you know, yeah, yeah. we, we wanna see vengeance, right? And I mean, that it literally says in Romans, like vengeance is God's, vengeance mm-hmm. is not ours, you right. know? Um, because I think a lot of our sin actually affects that the way we see that. This is not to like at all temper what he did. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, at face value, horrible, horrible thing. Um, and hell is just for that, right? Mm-hmm. God is not mm-hmm. doing something unjust mm-hmm. if he sends this guy to hell. Similarly though, and this is where I think we need to remember as believers, God does not do something unjust were he to judge us because we similarly have broken right. his laws, just not to the degree and then the catastrophic nature um, that this mm-hmm. guy did, so. Yeah, I have a question for you too, Derek. Yeah. Um, you know, we especially most of our listeners are Americans. We live in a very American context and how we respond to these things. You've had experience living in some other cultures that mm-hmm. operate very differently from ours. Yeah. How would you see this playing out maybe in a different culture? Or what are some of the uniquely American things that maybe she's bringing to this or maybe we're bringing to our response to this when we think about things like the death penalty or judgment? Yeah, in terms of the death penalty or judgment, let me think about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, 
while you're thinking about that, Derek, yeah, go for I'm it. trying to listen to you, but all I'm thinking about is your next appearance as the voice of Batman in an upcoming animated cartoon. <laughs> That's right. So it's, I'm really trying to stay focused on ne- what you're saying, ne- but just one. know that I'm lapsing. Other listeners are probably having trouble as well, but that's <laughs> why. Right. I hope you have your, yeah, your yeah. base up in yes, the car for the full listening experience. But um, yeah, no, I think that I don't just want to, uh, my temptation here is let me just say some stuff that uh, makes sense and is lo- along the same lines That's here. what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a shot, see what happens. I just say some stuff. Yeah, I need a well, T-shirt. Okay, so I say so. Th- this is a slight detour, and I, I don't know because th- we in Americans we think in terms of guilt and innocence for everything, right? right? Mm-hmm. You know, you you break a law, you're guilty. And I mean, the wh- where I'm currently living, even though I'm here right now, it's a shame and honor culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the and the way they actually talk about the way the cultures are set up like that is it's about I think similar to politics, it's access to resources. How do you get resources? In America, you obey the laws, you follow the system, mm. right? And then you get access to resources. And that's a guilt innocence thing. You don't break, you're guilty yeah. if you break the laws, you're innocent if you follow them. In a shame and honor society, if you're connected to the community, you get access to resources. So shame disconnects you from mm. the community. So you're willing to break a lot of rules in order for it to, you know, to stay connected to the community. Right. And so I, I think even though as you look at how America's changing in terms of our political discourse, we're becoming a lot more like that, mm. right? Like there's kind of social shame that you can throw out there mm-hmm. and disconnect you from the community. Mm-hmm. And so I think bringing it back to this issue, what you think about the death penalty can get you disconnected from certain communities because they're like, well, I don't think that, you know? And, right. and you get a kind of uh, cultural shame, stigma on you mm-hmm. that prevents you access to things like, I don't know, jobs, relationships, right. that sort of thing, so. Yeah, so, yeah, wow. Um, the, the, okay, man, I don't even know how to come back. The Batman comment threw me off, but I'm gonna say some <laughs> stuff. Uh, what, yeah, what I, what I really think what Derek is saying there is, you know, part of how she feels about somebody going to hell is, is really more of a cultural thing because our culture struggles with how can a good God send people to hell. And yeah. so that is, that is cultural implications bleeding into your life, your conscience, your ideology, your personal philosophy, rather than a, a, a biblical point of view that says we're all in, in danger of hell and, and, and headed that way, if not for the blood of Christ. So, so it's just, it's interesting how that's changed. Um, and I think that oftentimes in our culture, um, you know, we're led with emotion and we're led with our heart, but we need to we need to be led with wisdom. And um, you know, so so just be really careful on both sides that you're not caught up in this. It's a terrible, terrible thing. It, it's an awful thing. I think that biblically, uh, Christians can advocate for the death penalty. You can be a Christian and advocate for that. You don't have to. Um, you know, there are other things, other scriptures that lead other believers to different things. Here, what I'd say is don't villainize one another. Don't then turn into the judge, jury, and executioner of your friends and alienate yourselves from people who have different opinions from you. Um, because part of what I think is happening in our culture is guys like this, they get in an echo chamber mm-hmm. where everybody's saying the same thing. He's hearing the same thing. And I'm not saying there's not mental illness. I'm not saying mm. any of that. I mean, yeah. what he did is it's, 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 it's so not human, but, 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 and then yet it is. And that's what Derek is saying. That same, whatever, that spiritual cancer that's in his heart is in, is in all of us. And we need to be very careful of that in and of ourselves. Um, we need to not be in an echo chamber and we need to be with people who think differently than us, who, who uh, have different opinions and even different political parties. Otherwise we alienate. Mm. And, and that's what's happening, you know, with everybody on their Twitter feed and sitting at home, playing their video games, you know, they're completely separated from community and, and, we're, and we're not there. 
Um, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask uh, uh, Chad Bianco when he was on, which I, I forgot to ask was, you know, what kind of programs can we do for a loved one who, man, I mean, we all have relatives where you're like, I don't know. I mean, you know, we, we, we all got that, you know, relatives that's posting things on Facebook where you're like, ah, <laughs> you know, this feels crazy. So, you know, right. so what do you do with that person who is coming unhinged, you know, has these vomit moments of hatred and they're on the left and the right, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, you know, I've heard a lot of hate in the name of love recently. Yeah. So yeah. whether you're a Democrat yeah. or Republican, man, it spews out both sides. So really, really be careful. And how do we come alongside and help people? And, and, and really um, racism really oftentimes is rooted in disconnectedness. Like they don't, that guy probably didn't really know Jewish people, hadn't really had an encounter with Jewish people. And so everybody needs a scapegoat. And we see that globally. Like he, he, the reason something's happening to me is this race. And mm -hmm. so this race becomes the target of my aggression and my hatred and my anger. Yeah. And this race is the reason why, you know, these things are happening to me or this is happening to me. And so I hate this yeah. race. Or it even looked like that's what's happening with the guy who was sending pipe bombs to prominent Democrats yeah. and CNN. Yeah. Was, he was using them as a target. For yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just be really, really careful that you don't get wrapped up into that. It's, it's easy to judge tribes, uh, which we need to remember as Christians, Christ has called us to reach tribes, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And so we're called to reach right. out, to understand and share the gospel, right. not to uh, isolate, alienate, and then you know, ultimately make them out to be the enemy. We're, we're supposed to love our enemy and pray for our enemy and, and reach out to them and understand them. And so you know, the church needs to be a healing place where we can help bring people together and show that different ethnicities uh, can worship the one true God together. And and, and that's just so important. So. Yeah. Well, even what you're saying, Pastor Matt, about like, I'm sure all of us have people that we follow on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter that we know like, oh, you're, you're, yeah, you're a borderline. little out there. What, like, <laughs> if you're sitting in the seat of those folks, like what would you say are some good first steps to try to respond to that person or do you just leave them alone? Yeah, like, I, I think the first thing to do is not respond to them on social media. Yeah, you need absolutely. to sit down, have coffee, talk to me, t tell me what's going on, what's happening in your life. Right. Um, because the ranting doesn't stop. And um, when I've tried to reach out to people uh, on social media, man, they just like, it's like poking the bear. Yeah. It, they just come yeah. after you. And so, <laughs> you know, the, the best opportunity. And then if, it, if it's really bad, you need to report them you need to report them to the police and say, hey, I'm deeply concerned about this person. And, um, you know, the sad thing is in our society is we've not dealt well with threats. Like we, we're, still, we're still at the place as a society where we need someone to act before we incarcerate them. Mm -hmm. And what we need to start doing is trusting people at their word. So like, if I say I'm gonna kill Derek, kill Derek am I, we need to all trust that that's yeah. what I'm gonna do. And we need to okay. intervene right. before that happens. Right. And so, you know, um, um, that's why I'm not a big proponent of censoring. So there's a big movement to censor all this hate speech. And so I, I wanna know the crazies. I wanna know who they are. I wanna know what they're thinking. Please make yourself I, known. Yeah, I want it to be out there yeah. and we need to be monitoring these people and and uh, making sure that they don't have guns and bombs and access to these things because, you know, um, like it would be very helpful if we had somebody in our church who just raised their hand and said, like, I'm crazy, I'm gonna kill everybody. I, I wanna know who that person yeah. is. Mm -hmm. What I don't wanna do is censor that person. I wanna know, okay, and then how do how do we deal with that person proactively right. rather than after the fact? And, and, you know, as Americans, we're just so good at Monday morning quarterbacking. I mean, that's just what we do. It's how do we proactively, you know, this guy was posting stuff. We, we should have known about mm. it. We, we, we should have known. There's gotta be a way where, where we, we know this stuff. I mean, right. I mean, everything that you post on the internet can 
can be figured out. So there's got to be a way to figure that out. You know, like if I type, I'm going to kill you, like that needs to be like, there, there ought to be an algorithm that's like, hey, Matt Brown's a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> Let's look um, into that. you know, um, so, um, but I don't think you want to, you don't want to drive it into darkness because I, I don't think that that, that does well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that creates Timothy McVeigh's and, and people don't know who that mm-hmm. is, but Timothy McVeigh was, was a young man yeah. who was influenced by what happened in Waco. Right. Um, and he felt like it was a government overreach. Um, where the government did overreach. Now, was what was his name? David Koresh. I think it was his I name. So, yeah. You guys are all too young to remember that. I just watched a Netflix documentary. Yeah, so, oh. okay, was David Koresh crazy? Was he dangerous? Yeah. Did the government screw that up? And, and just so you know, Democrats, it was Bill Clinton. I mean, both sides do stupid stuff. That's what mm. I'm saying. It's not just Trump. It's not sure. the Republicans. They screwed that thing up and they killed a bunch of innocent people. And it was terrible when, mm. how they handled that whole situation. But, but uh, what did I say his name was? Timothy McVeigh. Timothy McVeigh was there as a protester, as a young kid. And mm-hmm. so, right, he bottled that up, didn't feel like he had an avenue. And I'm not saying what he did was right, but he ended up oh, yeah. bombing a federal building in Oklahoma, city. I think city, yeah, and killed city. a bunch of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you can't squash this stuff. You have, to, you have to let these people voice their opinions, try to talk to them, try with the reason. And if you can't reason with them, you gotta lock them up. I mean, yeah. that, that's just the reality. I mean, sometimes you can't, you can't deal with crazy, but you gotta try. That's right. all I'm saying. And so I think our government can do a more proactive job of dealing with people who say, I'm going to do this. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pastor Matt, I think you made a really good distinction earlier between the using of the word tragedy or that yeah. kind of characterizing these types of things and, and being able just to say it's evil. Yeah. And I think that um, there's an there's a element of control and responsibility that happens in a, in saying it's evil. Like this person deliberately made a choice. Right. They they express their will over the situation. So so many of these instances, I think, bring up questions of God's control. Is is God at some? How is He at work in all of this still? And so we had a question come. Every major tragedy like this or evil seems to bring with it the question of how could a good God allow fill in the blank to happen, this bad thing to happen. It's a struggle to be real, answer these questions honestly, especially when we have our own doubts in these moments. So what is the answer? How can a good God allow bad things? Yeah, it always amazes me when humans act evilly that we question God's goodness. Mm. It just just seems bizarre to me that, um, you know, I mean, that's like Derek punches me in the face because he's a bad guy and I really question Stephanie's integrity. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. To me, it seems like- an unreasonable leap. Like mm-hmm. um, God didn't create guns, we did. We, we, we don't have guns and bombs and planes and uh, to protect us from God. Mm. We have that to protect us from each other. And mm. the problem is not God's goodness. The problem is evil in the human heart. And so then the question is, God, what's God's response to that? And God's response to human evil is the death of his own son on the cross. And the promise of all those who repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in Christ get to go to a place where there isn't that. Mm. A new earth, a new heaven, where uh, not only is there no guns and no violence, but um, the lion lies down with the lamb. A child puts their hand into the viper's den and is not bitten, right? This is the great prophecy of Isaiah. This is the forcing of a place where, where evil is cast out, where everybody does the will of God. And so the problem is, uh, to quote my friend Derek Imai, ah. uh, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is people who live under the will, will, reign, and authority of God. Did I get it right? Rule, reign. Rule, not will. Rule, <laughs> reign. And so the problem is right now, we don't live in a place where people are doing that. And right. so people act according to their own will, their own authority, their own rule. I'm forgetting another adjective. 
there, sorry. Uh, and and that's, that's the challenge. And so um, this is heartbreaking and it's a great opportunity to not to talk about God, but to talk about sin and to talk about the reality of human evil, which many people don't believe in today. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, like, look at how, like, you guys are not old enough to remember this, but when I was a kid, I went to movies, bad people were just bad. Now there's always a backstory. Mm-hmm. Right. Something made them. So, that yeah, way. something yeah. Like, like, you know, so Wicked is celebrating 15 years. Good, yeah. So yeah. when I was a kid, you know, the Wicked Witch of the East, West, West was just yeah. bad. She yeah. just was bad. Yeah. Now she's got a backstory. Now she's got a she was picked past. on in high school. Right. You know, I mean, she wasn't allowed to be yeah. in a fraternity. You know, I yeah. mean, she right. She came from a broken family. And it's like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, uh, w- w- nobody mock me right now, but last <laughs> night we were watching the remake of Ghostbusters, which is terrible. Oh, yes. It was terrible. Yes. Noted. And so they were talking about the first ghost that appears. Uh, they're in this old house and uh, the guy from the office, the creepy guy. Oh man, I can't remember his name. But Dwight? He's, Dwight? No, oh, no, 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 no. The, oh, oh. the, the real skinny, like he looks like a vampire all the time. I can't remember oh, his name. He's, yeah. Like, yeah. he's the love interest. Well, he plays, he plays like the... Uh, <laughs> Oh, what do you call it when you're in a museum and you, you give people tours? Oh, curator. Um, docent? The curate, the docent. So oh. he's the docent and oh. he tells people the stories. <laughs> and he's telling this story about this guy who locked his daughter in the basement. Um, and this is what, it's just so funny. He says, it's not funny that he locked his daughter in the basement. Crazy Sorry. people don't just, get any yeah, ideas. Just to be clear. But what he says is, he, the, guy, the dad said, I'm not saying God makes any mistakes, but he may have been drunk when he made my daughter. Like, like, like so it comes from a time when people just go like, yeah, that dude's off. Like we don't need a backstory. Right. You need to be incarcerated right. forever. And and nowadays, right, it's oh, we want to get to the, you know, we want to get to the heart of this. And it's like sometimes people are just evil. Yeah. And 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 they need to die. And so let me explain that. So uh you quoted Romans um that talks about not repaying evil for evil. This is mm-hmm. way back. There, there's a real key verse in there that I think everybody um needs to know. Shoot, that's not Romans, that's Peter. Where is it? Uh okay, here it is. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. This is out of the ESV. Mm. Do not be prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes. Here's the key. Repay. I don't know why I cut and paste that whole verse. Sorry about that. <laughs> that was free scripture reason. Oh, good Thank you. Yeah. Okay, here it is. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Mm. So that's what it means to be a Christian. What's the right thing to do? Here it is. If possible. So far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Sometimes we can't live peaceably with everybody. Mm. So, um, you know, a lot of people use the word Hitler to uh, refer to our president, which I believe is a horrific act. You should not do that. You cannot like him. You can think he's whatever. The word Hitler is thrown around way too often. Mm. And what that means is people don't know their current situation and they don't know who Hitler was. So Christians in Germany, right? Live it peaceably as far as it depends upon you. It came to a point where they realized, okay, this guy, the honorable thing to do is to kill Hitler and it would have spared 60 million lives. Mm. That's the honorable thing to do. Um, so that's the right thing to do. That's, so that's, if you're on the left, one of the ways that you can tone down the rhetoric is when someone uses that language, because if you refer to the president Hitler, what you're saying is someone needs to act and take his life because that's the right thing to do. That's wrong. Right. You cannot like him. You cannot like his policies. You cannot like his personality. You can critique many things of that. And just so you know, if you're feeling picked on and you're on the left, I had to do this for eight years when Obama was in office with my right-wing friends and they were all nuts. And this is how it goes in our country. The losing team hates the other side for as long as they're in office and that's right. the reality. So we, we, need to, we need to, as far as it depends on me, but there, sometimes there comes a point in time. So if somebody comes into my house, I can ask them to leave, but I have a job to protect my family. Mm-hmm. 
as far as it depends on me, I need to find a peaceful solution. But sometimes there comes a moment when you can't and you have to act. And so we need to do that. So I don't know yeah. how I got there. How did I get there? Derek, Derek has this look on his face like he just, <laughs> like he needs coffee. I have some. Okay, yeah. we'll drink it. Yeah, the, well, the original question was basically, how does God, a good God, allow bad things? Yeah, I have no happen. idea how I got where I just got. <laughs> I say stuff. It was, yeah. I say stuff. My point is, at sometimes, I don't know why. My, yeah. my point is, which is irrelevant to this yeah. question, which is why. I think I'm, you're saying, like, we're attributing to God evil that people are committing. Right. That God has not committed. Yeah, but I got off on a tangent. I'm, I'm Maybe we can edit that out. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so God is not, the, what I'm trying to say is God is not the problem. Yeah. Right. And again, it's human deception. So what is Sandal's vision? Be real with yourself. The first thing you need to be real, God is not the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. God, God is the divine actor and, and he is divinely good in all things. Human beings are the problem. We are desperately wicked. And yeah. in our wickedness, there are people who feel like the solution to our political problem is to go into a synagogue and shoot a bunch of people. Yeah. Like that's the, and just so you know, this is not, an American phenomenon. This happens around the world in your yeah. country. Religious people who feel like the way to, or, or or not even religious people, shoot atheist people. I mean, let's not just attribute all craziness to religiosity. I mean, some crazy people are, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. And mm-hmm. so um, it's not God, it's us. And so it needs to be a conversation where we look right. at the human heart, we look at ourselves and we say, wow, maybe we do need to be redeemed. Maybe yeah. we maybe we yeah. do need to be saved, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's a conversation that we need we need to be having is we we, we need a new heart we mm-hmm. we we need to be changed inside because there's something about human nature that's evil mm-hmm. right and that is drawn right. to this and um and and that's what we're seeing in the news that's what we're seeing on social media is the human heart's being exposed now more than ever mm-hmm. right before it was masked like you know um, when I was a kid you didn't get to see the evil of everybody, but now it's, man, everybody has access to right. showing you yeah. my deepest, darkest thoughts. Boom, there it goes. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, you wanna say anything about that? But I would just say, I get a little frustrated when people wanna blame human acts of evil on God. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the problem is human beings, not God. Yeah. No, I, I think it'll be maybe from a slightly different angle. I think I wanna say like, I hear you, like I get it. You know, the idea is, okay. And sometimes people say it this way too, right? Like, okay, God can't be, all good and all powerful. Cause mm-hmm. if he was all powerful, this kind of, he would stop this kind right. of thing, right? And so I totally get it. So the question like, why does God allow these kinds of things to happen? I mean, I think my my best like philosophical intellectual answer to this is I, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and the reason is, so let me go one way and this is not to, to belittle it, but I mean, I've got kids, several. Um, I do things or allow things for them that they're like, this is ridiculous what is wrong with this person, mm-hmm. you know? Because in their mind, they're thinking, if I were you, I wouldn't do that. Mm. And I think in a sense, we do that with God. Mm-hmm. Well, if I was God, right, I wouldn't let that happen. But I mean, th- that statement right there, I think just kind of reveals where our minds are. Well, we're not God. We don't have that view, you know? And so there's reasons. I think that we don't, I would guess that we don't understand. Well, that's why we're asking it why he allows certain things to happen, mm-hmm. you know? And so even speaking about the kingdom, you talked about the kingdom of God, which that's George Eldon Ladd, by the way, that's not me. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. um, thank you, Mr. Ladd, um, Dr. Cite Ladd. That, cite that in the bibliography <laughs> yeah, we'll, today. Um, so in the show notes. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the idea though, it, you know, the kingdom of God has come, right? This is, this is Jesus's message. The kingdom of God is at hand, you know? And so this rule, reign and authority of God is here. It's just not fully expressed. It's like leaven, very small, but one day will be large. 
And so what we desire and what we pray, right? What's part of the Lord's prayer? Your kingdom come, your on, will be yeah. done mm. on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want. We want the the way God's justice is and his love is and every all the aspects of his reign, we want fully expressed here on earth. They're not. And because they're not, you know, if, if God was fully in charge in a sense, if he fully exercised his authority, bad things wouldn't happen. So we live in this weird in-between mm. time where those people who, you know, know, love, worship, and serve Jesus are part of that kingdom. It's just not fully expressed. And why the in-between time though? I actually, I was watching this um, show where someone was, you know, asking actually a fake guy dressed up as Jesus. He's like, What's up with God, man? Why doesn't he just come back and like wipe out wipe out all the evil? Like what's the what's the you know, what's the hold up? Is he just playing games with us? And I mean, the guy gave kind of a interesting answer, but the idea of this in-between time it's a time of mercy. Like you're saying we need a new heart. Like God's giving us time to repent. Right, yeah. Cuz if God comes back right now and wipes out the evil, like there's only two teams. Yeah. Right? You're you're either a child of God or an enemy of God. Mm. And if he comes back now and you're not a child, you go too. Right. I mean, so there's the parable that Jesus tells of the wheat and the weeds. Mm -hmm. God's like, leave them both for right now. And in leaving them both until the end of the age, there's a chance to cross over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a chance to go from one kingdom to the other. So God not intervening in a sense, you can see there's a sense in which it's merciful for a lot of people. Specifically though, for you know what's going on right now, we watch and we weep and we, because like our moral outrage comes from the fact that we say, this is not right. This is not, you know, in accordance with who God is, mm. what he desires and right. what his plan is. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I don't know. Next <laughs> question. All right, we move on. Uh, so Vivi sent in a question and said, the whole idea of politics is a really sensitive subject. Uh, she says, why is it that we have hate in some Christian communities when we teach about loving others? And we've talked about this a little bit. So she asked, how can we work towards stopping the, this is America, don't speak a different language or get out of my country when it comes to immigration attitude as Christians? Like we see that a lot among so-called Christians. How do we work towards stopping that? Yeah, well, I, I don't know that we, I don't know if we see it a lot. I, I think it's reported on a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience uh, as a pastor growing up, uh, and I've been your pastor for 20 years, is the media does not seek out reasonable Christians they seek out the biggest idiot mm. with the loudest mouth and they put the microphone in front of their face. Right. And then we're all horrified because this person represents no one. And so a lot of these hateful, uh, weirdo Christians, man, you know, their their church is like their wife and their kid and, you know, somebody else that's terrified not to show up. And and they don't interview, you know, pastors of, like myself of a church of, you know, 10, 15,000 people where there's gonna be a reasoned response. And right. so- um, that, that, that's just the first thing I would say. And I, I just think that we, we love to be outraged. And um, here's where Donald Trump is right, is that the media has been too selective. And I think that they need to self-check. They need to look at themselves. And this is true for both Fox News and CNN and NBC. Uh, they need to start, quit being fans of one side or the other. They need to start reporting the news. Um, and that's not to say that, um, I mean, because at the end of the day, we all have to accept this fact. The media has to choose which stories. Mm. So that's never going to change. Right. Mm -hmm. that, so somebody makes a decision of of what to what to show and what not to show, um, and uh, part of the problem is our culture. We're addicted to fear, outrage. That's part of the problem. So we're constantly looking to be outraged, looking to be afraid. And so, like the media, it's a business. I mean, they're not. You know, they're 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 trying to make money and get commercials and, and all that stuff. So the 
So we, we have to look at that. So the first thing I would say, is that really how a lot of people feel? I think racism today is way less than it than it has been at any point in time in our history. It's fanned a lot, but um, I have seen, I mean, I'm a white person. Uh, I've grown up in a white house on both sides. Um, in my, just, just know as, as a white person from my family, fairly large family, I've never heard anybody in my family say something. And that's not saying like, like we're good. I don't think we're that good. I'm just saying why people have changed. It's changing from maybe what, like what my grandfather grew up in. Um, you know, uh, America's roots are racist. There's, there's no getting around it. I mean, um, I don't know if you guys remember Grandpa Jack, but man, everyone in our church and he loved everybody, but man, he'd be like, oh, I got to go talk to the Swede. I'm like, who? Yeah. <laughs> like, like he, he, he racism for him didn't end with the color oh, of no, white. Was, I mean, that was just like, like categories. It was, was like equally geez. exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it was, yeah. it was, it was a different time. You know, yeah. it just came from a different time where people, um, really, really identified not just with their tribe, but even amongst what we would call white people, um, you know, right. Swedish, Scottish, um, you know, um, you know, I think the, the building right next to your campus, isn't it a Scottish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So yeah. I mean, it's like, right. That's hey, this is a select group of white people where it's now there's they can't get anybody to come because nobody yeah. knows they're Scottish. But we appreciate their parking. Yeah, lot. we yeah. do appreciate their parking lot. So the first thing I would say is not be manipulated by that. The second thing I would say is you know when racism is real, you know we need to respond. Um, we need to not be quick to assume that everything's racist uh, because sometimes sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sometimes uh, there's another problem at stake, and so we need to a- we need to ask complex questions. Um, you know, uh, we need to not get caught up in the moment and, and don't assume, I mean, are, are there racist Christians? Well, are, are they Christ followers? No, because you, you can't, you right. cannot be a genuine Christ follower and be a racist because yeah. Jesus has caused you. Yeah. That first tweet of the day, Jesus <laughs> has called us to love every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I mean, yeah. it's the only religion I'm aware of that begins with a mandate to end racism, right? Yeah. It begins with, I, all authority has been given unto me. So I'm in charge of everybody and I send you to all people, all nations. And the miracle of Pentecost, right? The falling of the Holy Spirit is, man, God's reaching all nations and all peoples. When we we read in Isaiah, we read in Revelation, right? It's all tribes, all tongues, all kings, Mm -hmm. all ethnicities bowing to the one true God. And so it's just this this beautiful thing. Now, have Christians lived up to that? No, there have been horrifically dark times in our history, not just in American history, but in history in general. Mm -hmm. And typically those in power have not done well. And that's just the reality. And that's not a white thing. That's a power thing. And um, so what we need to do is, you know, we need to encourage uh, discourse and civility. And and I, I know that when I travel, and I mean, you're in, a, you're in a country where you're learning the language, it's hard, right? To learn yeah. another language. And you're a pretty smart dude, but, you know, even when you and I discuss about, you know, your language learning, you still feel elementary in a lot of ways. And so it's yeah. intimidating. And so we, we, as Christians, we should be helpful and and loving and inviting to, uh, people who cannot speak English. And just so you guys know, it's a tough language to learn. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not an easy language to learn. And so um, that's why many Americans don't speak it well. <laughs> so, um, you know, but, but you know, this ridiculousness of, of, of just speak English or whatever, I mean, that's, that's out of the depths of, of, of a sinful place. And, uh, and again, I think on the left and on the right, people's frustrations are being fanned. And, and so- uh, I don't think I answered her whole question though. What would? No, I think I think that was yeah, good. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a point about you know going back to your first uh, answer of what do we do? How do we support our Jewish brothers right now during this time, brothers and sisters? Is to just be Christian. I think mm-hmm. in my family, 
I did hear a lot of those kind of, and it was often in a joke or this yeah. guy. And as I grew older and have even matured and growing in the Lord, heard that as more of, man, there's something else there. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I, man, I, I really hope my family doesn't actually believe that. But in that moment, to be a Christian means to say, I'm, it's, it's gonna stop with me. Yeah. I'm not gonna keep making those jokes. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna normalize that kind of feedback around any group of people who are having any experience because to be Christian um, is to is to go and to reach and to mm -hmm. love and to never, even in humor, draw a line of exclusion mm -hmm. right. or to say you're you're something other and therefore less than. Yeah. And so that was that was always hard for me growing because I I just it just felt normal to make that joke or to you know have an experience with someone and say oh they need to go and figure that out so I can so I so it's easier for me to understand them right mm -hmm. and it's just such a self centered and focused view so I love you know your first answer I think applies to so many of these questions be a Christian when people come and don't understand how God can well teach them about who God is right. and who they are and, and, and help and, them yeah. understand. And understand so many of these political, so we, we all we all wanna pretend that there's just simple solutions. And that's why we get mm. polarized. Right. There's Man, if there were simple solutions, man, a lot of this stuff would be solved, but there, right. but there are enormous problems. Um, and, and as soon as government gets in wall, involved in one area, they cause a problem in another area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so we as Christians, right, as a conservative Christian church, and what I mean by that is not politically conservative. I mean, we, we, we are a traditionally uh, conservative church in the way that we interpret the Bible. And what does that mean? That we interpret it the way that it says, um, we, we're, we're, I don't wanna say stuck, but that's, we're, we're stuck with what it says. Right. And we, we are, we're right. locked in there and we try to live out what it says in the life that we live whereas many people have changed that. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened in America as uh, Americans try to, to give equality to uh, the LBGT community, right? And I think that's a good thing. They've created problems for people of faith. Mm. So in order to solve one problem, you create a problem yeah. for another community to end persecution in one area, you, you cause it in a, another yeah. area. Yeah. And that's what happens when I, I think people genuinely, not all people, but some people in trying to do what's good, right and true, actually end up making things difficult and you know, th th then you have companies that are selling cakes that are going bankrupt because of a personal conviction. Sure. Yeah. And um, and I don't want to live in a country where a Muslim has to deliver pork to your house. I mm -hmm. I, I don't want yeah. or a Jew, I, I, an Orthodox Jew. And I think you know. So we need to figure out a way to live together and, and live, mm -hmm. you know, a, as a community that that really understands freedom and that includes personal and religious freedom. And so, yeah. you know, again. You know, the media is not putting uh, the microphone in front of people who are like, "Yeah, I think we should get along." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just they're right. just not doing that. You know, yep. there's, the there's, no, there's, there's no reasonable There's no story at eleven. There's no story at eleven. Wait, we got to find an idiot who's going to say something stupid. Absolutely. Yeah. And um and and, and so, sorry, but those people are there. You know, I mean, if you stick a microphone in front of enough sandals, people, I'm sure you're going to hear something that you're like, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's and that's a great uh, transition into our question from PJ asking how do we best represent Jesus in times when you can be treated really horribly and, and are often unheard because of your race, financial job status or gender. We don't all have the advantage of the, the person uses the language of being attractive white men, not trying to be rude, just pointing it out. It's easier for some people to protest or to initiate change than others. So how, how do we best represent Jesus in times when, when hmm. not everybody is able to speak yeah. and have the same kind of yeah, voice? I don't, I don't think he was talking to Derek. I'm not an attractive white talking, man. Yeah. yeah. Me either, Derek. That's like the, the nicest insult I've ever yeah. gotten. <laughs> so, just, so thank you, Just PJ. point it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I mean, trying to be rude. Yeah, well, yeah. typically when you say that. There's a great line uh, in the, uh, this is a terrible reference to Talladega Nights. Uh, well, oh, somebody no. said, Ricky Bobby's like, uh, 
uh, somebody goes with all due respect, and then the person's like, you can't just say with all due respect and then say whatever you want afterward. Yeah. Like that doesn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you begin a sentence with, I don't mean to be rude. Right. You know that what's coming next yeah. is probably yeah. rude. Yeah. It's yeah. like a warning sign. I think sign. PJ does come from like a well-meaning part place of I am not in the minor- majority. Mm. How do I represent Jesus when I'm being treated horribly Absolutely. by people because of my race or because of my gender? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly there are situations where we can be mistreated because of the color of our skin or because of our gender. And uh, I just want you to know that if you're a person of color, that's not unique to you. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I have been threatened. Uh, I've gotten in fights. I've had horrific things happen to me on multiple occasions, uh, sometimes where I felt like my life was in danger because of the color of my skin and my gender. Um, and so a lot of that has to do with where you grew up. Um, you know, um, the majority typically does not treat the minority well. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. And we live in a diverse country where the majority overall is white, but there are many, many communities, especially in California, where that's not the case. And that was not the case where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was definitely in the minority. Um, and, uh, and, and what I found is there were people of color that were wonderful and amazing. And the first thing that I learned is you can't write people off based upon their group. And so I think that's what I think the modern movement uh, of social justice is really missing the heart of the message of what Martin Luther King said. He said that his prayer was that people would not be judged by the color of their skin. So that's the group from which you come, right? Mm-hmm. but the content of your character. And so I think where the current social justice movement is missing is it's group oriented rather than character oriented. Mm. And, and we need to look at the person rather than the group from which they come from because um, we're missing out on story. And, um, you know, uh, the color of your skin does not not always tell everything about you or, or, or anything about you. And so uh, for PJ, man, if that's the case that you are, um, you know, feeling like, man, you're being, um, uh, you know, what, what was Mist- his word? Mistreated or treated mistreated. horribly. Man, man that breaks my heart. And so I wanna know if that's happening at our church because we need to end that and deal with those people and discipline those people because that's not the heart of our church. There, there's not room for racists at Sandals Church. Like you you don't you don't get Jesus, you don't get us. Right. Um, you know, you, you just, you can't, you can't be unloving to people who are different colors of your skin. I mean, pigmentation cannot be a category by which you judge people. It just can't be. Uh, we need to judge people and have judgment based upon the content of their character. Who are they? You know, get to know them, uh, understand them. And I, and I think there's beauty and diversity and we need to understand. That. So my heart breaks for you if you feel that that's happening at Sandals Church. Um, you know, if it's having in the culture at large, um, you know, what can we do to help you and come alongside you? Um, and so here's what I would encourage every person who feels like that's happening to them. Do the hard work of being real with yourself and ask yourself this hard question. This is not popular, but this is real. Am I being picked on because of my gender and the color of my skin or am I doing something? You, you need to do that work. I, I, I need to do that work because it might be something that I'm doing. It mm. might be uh, an edge that I have on my shoulders, the way that I present myself. Is there something that I need to do you don't get a pass on becoming Christ-like because of the color of your skin. So you, you have to conform to the image of Christ just like everybody else does. So, so look at yourself and, and say, is this something that I'm doing? It may not be. Yeah. It could right. be that people are racist dirtbags and okay, we need to deal with that, yeah. but it might be something that you need to do uh, because he also made a comment in the email about work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like there's a- if- if you feel unheard because of your job right. status or your financial status. Yeah, there, so there, I think- there's a heart of this question that's how do I represent Jesus if I really am being mistreated yeah. or there's some inequality yeah. happening? 
Right. Well, yeah. So, and so, and I don't, PJ, I don't know your story, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you've got a lot going on. And so um, you're feeling pressure, you know, based upon the color of your skin, you're feeling pressure based upon your gender, you're feeling color based upon your work status and also your income. Um, so what I would say is I need to get to know you. I, I need to know what's going on in your life. Um, some of these things may be because of the color of your skin. Some of these things may be because of your gender. Some of these things may be personality. Mm. Some of these things may, may be the way that you present yourself. And those things matter. Yeah. Those matter. How we how we present ourselves matters in, in life. And you might need people just like we all do because we all have blind spots sure. about how we're, we're perceived. And, um, you know, I'm in a small group uh, with a good friend and we've been friends for, gosh, I don't know, 15 years. And he's almost 50 years old. And he shared last week at group, he said, one of the things I'm learning is I really don't understand how people receive me. He's mm. 50. Yeah. Mm. He's yeah. 50 and he's, he's finally coming to the point. And, but here's what he said. He said, but I know my wife and kids love me. And so I'm going to trust them. Yeah. Mm. So his wife and his kids are going, hey, <laughs> yep. hey, right. hey, you're, you're, and so PJ, we all need people in our life who yeah. love us enough to say, yeah, man, that's racist and that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Or we need people in our life who say, PJ, I love you, brother. But, um, and there's some rough edges in your life. And just so you know, PJ, there's some rough edges in my life. And there's some things that I need to really deal with and, 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 and work on. And, um, you know, I joke all the time with my wife, I'm becoming a grumpy old white man, you know? Um, and there's some truth in that, right? There, there's some truth in that. And um, I don't I don't wanna be that. What no. I wanna be is a loving follower of Christ as I age. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's one of the truth for our older listeners. I don't know how many of those we have. Uh, probably not a lot of podcasters yeah. over 50, but if you are, praise God, you're awesome. Hey, yeah. um, but uh, a writer by the name of M. Scott Peck uh, from the 1980s wrote, the veneer of maturity uh, the varnish of maturity wears off as you age. Mm. So there, there comes a point in time in our life where we act right, but as we age, that varnish, that yeah. covering disappears and you revert back to what you always are. And so we mm. all need to be on this process of growth. And so PJ, the vision of Sandals Church is to be real with yourself. And that's first, the most important thing, uh, I think it's, is it Psalm 119.9? Uh, Lord, keep me from deceiving myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your commandments. Mm. Sounds like sure. Proverbs or uh, Psalm 119. Right? I want, yeah, yeah. yeah. So sh- it's either that. like 111.19 or 119.11. I can't remember. Yeah. Sorry, PJ. Uh, I should have that verse memorized. It's like a life verse and now I'm embarrassed. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so that's the first thing is just, okay, what do I need to do? Um, what, you know, and what's, what's happened to me? And so here's the other thing. So especially if you're, if you're a person of color or any person, um, what we need to make sure that we don't do is that that events that have happened to us in the past, we can't assume that that's what's happening in the present. And that's for all of us. Mm. For all of us, um, I need to be able to see clearly in the specific situation um, and understand rightly, is this racism? Is this sexism, which is, you know, gender? Is this uh, some socioeconomic thing where somebody's judging me because I'm poor? And, um, And just so you know, PJ, I love hanging out with poor people, man. I love it. I feel like they're more real. Mm. So, um, and, uh, I just think that's the truth. So my heart goes out to you. Yeah. Racism is real, but it's not always the cause. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Christians, how we blame everything on Satan. It's like sometimes, it's, sometimes it's, Tim, it's you. Yeah, yeah. It's you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, PJ, um, and let me just say this, you know, I, I'm assuming he's young. Life was not easy for me when I started Sandals Church. Um, it, it was, it's been very, very difficult. And part of the reason for the success of Sandals is I didn't give up. Don't let people dictate to you what you can and cannot do because of your race, because of your sex, or because of your age. Okay, I had to battle through all of those things as well. Now that's different. I get that for a white person. I, I get it. 
but I still had to battle my own battles. I still had to deal with my own issues. Um, and my heart goes out to you because the number one criticism I got when I started Sandal Search is you're too young. Mm-hmm. I, you, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you guys can, but I can't change my age. Nope. Like yeah. I can't do that. I can only be who I am. And so that used to frustrate me. And, right. I, and I used to get really, really upset with that. Um, I can only know what I can know. Um, uh, and then, you know, Sandal's too small, now it's too big, it's whatever. So uh, don't let people's, um, you know, stereotypes of you, their racist sin of you. Don't let that get in the way of your success. Don't let them determine what you can and can't do because you can do great things and God's called you to do great things. And man, you know, what 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 I would say is outgrow your haters. That, that's what I've had to do mm. is, is outgrow them, outwork them, outlast them because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, the reason they're critical of you, of your race or whatever, it's because they, they don't want anybody else to get ahead. And I've seen that over and over again, just mm-hmm. outwork them, outlast them. And, and that's that's what I've had to do. And so my heart goes out to you. And um, there are racist people. Racism does exist. Don't let that be the reason you're not successful. Yeah. Uh, because let me just tell you, PJ, I would love, um, I'm assuming he's a guy. I'm, yeah. Okay. Be, yeah. What, man, we're looking for dynamic people of color to work at Sandals Church. Just so you know, at Sandals, that's a plus. That that's not that's not a minus. That's a plus. Yeah. We want you. We value diversity. We're looking for opinions. We, we want people from diverse, not just diversity within ethnicity, but diversity within social status. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because man, we we want people from varying um, economic backgrounds because that helps us minister and helps us reach. Totally. a diverse community within right. the Inland Empire. And so just so you know, PJ, there are institutions and there are organizations that that care about you and want diversity deeply and believe, believe that you add value right. to them. And, um, and, and let me just say this, people and corporations that are stuck in racist molds are gonna go out of business. Like mm. they're, they're not going to succeed because what you should want is the most talented person. Yeah. And, um, and, and again, churches that are racist, they're not gonna grow. Yeah. They're not going to grow. Churches who follow Jesus and 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 trust Him and, and literally, you know, follow the Great Commandment, which is an attack on racism. Yeah, all authority's been given unto me. Go to all peoples, all mm-hmm. nations, all colors, all languages. Um, and the churches that have understood that do really well, and the churches that haven't are terrible. You want to say yeah. something? I know I talk like for like <laughs> forty minutes. <laughs> no, yeah, I, it's, you got to just jump in. Just wanting to jump in? No, I don't. Actually. No, because that would be it's my show. Quite rude. Yes. It is yeah. your show. It's my show, and I'm deferring to you. But <laughs> yeah, racism is an interesting thing because, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's like racism is going down in America, but like statistics don't soothe experiences, right? It's right. Like, no, that, that yeah. might be the case, but you know, this guy's yeah. like, you know, he's experiencing this kind of thing, and and I think I don't know. I wonder. Just when I was listening to you, it's like you had a unique like growing up experience that the vast majority of white people don't have. Right, right, no, I agree with you that. Know? And so, but I think the danger could be people are like, oh, well, my white pastor is like this. And so we must all be like this, you right. know? And, and I don't think for a lot of us, we realize how deep racism goes in us mm. and how like prevalent it is in the culture at large, not maybe even in terms of instances like, you know, where you're making a joke or something like right. that, but just, yeah. I mean, there are some people when they're shuffling through resumes that, um, Smith and Garcia would be right. weighted differently. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's, yeah, you can only see what you can see, right? And so I think that sometimes it's easy to be dismissive because we haven't had an experience, you know? And so I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like people wouldn't call for culture change if they thought it was okay, right? Like you kind of have some people being like, we need to, we need to change some things in this culture. It doesn't feel right. 
And then you've got another group of people saying, I think it's okay. Well, <laughs> you're going to say it's okay if it's okay for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and I think for this issue, you know, I want to get to the specific question in a second, but for this issue, I just think it reminds me that we need to listen to other people and take their experiences seriously because we can easily be dismissive based on our experiences, right? Mm -hmm. You can only see what you can see. Right. So when we look at with our lens at somebody else's right. experience, we miss what they're actually experiencing. Mm -hmm. So that ability to really enter in uh, and to sit and listen, I mean, that that would heal America if we could do that. But, mm. you know, we don't. We come from our perspective, mm -hmm. you know, and we lob, you know, and they come from their perspective and they lob and we we, we don't get together that way. Right. So. No, and I agree. I agree. But when I went to uh, um, Rick Warren's gathering um, yeah. on racism, you know, I'm sitting next to, and just so you guys know, my religious tradition is Southern Baptist. Southern mm -hmm. Baptists were on the wrong side of slavery. Right. So, right. Just, I mean, so, so like, so that. like I come just from a racist today. Yeah. like <laughs> denomination, right? Like we believe God says we can own people. I mean, that's how disgusting it's past was. Now, Southern Baptists have repented of that, asked for yeah. forgiveness, you know, that, and I don't know when they did that. It's been, you know, fairly recently. So, so you come from that. that right. That's where, that's where my religious roots come from. Then Rick Warren, um, you know, invites for a real council on race. And I'm sitting next to Chip Henderson, who's a white, like a white Southern boy, uh, and the South is still uh, segregated, both, uh, not segregated, but it's, you know, they, they live different lives. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. They're uh, integrated in schools, but still segregated in life, mm, economically, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting next to him. And so you have to think about like where Mississippi was, okay? Mm -hmm. So Mississippi is where, you know, horrible, horrible acts of racism occurred. Mm -hmm. he's, he's the pastor of the largest church in Jacksonville, Mississippi. And he's sitting next to me. And he's in tears. Mm. And he's like, man, he's like, I want to be a part of solving this. Yeah. So that's what I would, that's what I'm saying is when things are getting better, that that that's Mississippi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like okay. that's the root, that's the root, that's the cancer. Sorry, Mississippi, if we have listeners. <laughs> uh, but Purely. right, that, some of the cancer of racism sure. in our society comes from those areas. Mm -hmm. And here's my friend Chip, who was raised in that, like raised in that and has had like this dynamic encounter with Christ and, and is in tears and saying, we need to solve this. Mm -hmm. And he flies from Mississippi to Los Angeles and, 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 he, and he's there. Mm -hmm. And, I, and that, that's all I'm saying. I'm yeah. not saying it doesn't exist. Totally. I'm just saying uh, when I sit there, oh, and by the way, who's the guy that uh, saying, this is how we do it? Montel this Jordan. Is how, Montel Jordan sitting next to me. <laughs> and by the way, he is six foot eight. Yeah. So yeah. Montel Jordan's on my left. Dude, and this is like, like I'm like, oh my gosh, right. I want your autograph. Wow. So uh, like, this is how we do oh, no, it. We, so he's a pastor now. We, gotcha. yeah, so yeah, God. in Georgia. Yeah. So, and he's really six foot eight, which I thought was awesome. The Lord moves. So, um, yeah. you know, and- um, Totally. So it sounds like you're encouraged that there's yeah, movement. So yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what I want to say is, is it solved? No, it, but, but, but I, just need, I just need you to understand that is a cataclysmic shift mm -hmm. in thinking. Yeah, from well, what yeah um, and going back to Vivi's question, that's what you look for. Those are real Christians. Yeah. Someone who's actually has their heart moved when you grew, they grew up in a context where by all means, that guy should be a racist white guy doing his thing, right. not caring. But like, that's where Christ has clearly moved in his life. And so I think when, you know, someone like Vivi's asking questions, like, what do I do with all these Christians who seem to hate people who aren't like them? Like, this is what an actual Christian looks like. Yeah, and what I would say is challenge them personally, you know, is because, okay, we all have sin in our lives and we all have areas in our lives where we've not surrendered to Christ. Mm. And for a lot of people, um, you know, racism is one of those issues that they have to hand over and they say, mm -hmm. okay, God, I gotta, I gotta submit to you on this. Um, and, you know, that goes, you know, for a lot of uh, 
white people, but it also goes for a lot of people of color. Like, uh, I mean, th that's right. We all have um, skepticism um, and some racism when it comes to, to judging other people. And we need to deal with that. And we need to submit that to Christ just as we do, you know, every, every issue, you know, um, that's difficult. So PJ, I'm not trying to minimize, and I didn't mean to minimize that at all. No. I'm just saying I'm behind the scenes. Like there's no press media there. There's no you know, this guy's not making a statement to a paper. He's not, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? He's not He's not yeah. saying like, oh, here's my official press release. You know, he's looking at me and he's saying, Matt, we got to get this thing right. Right. And he's the pastor of the largest church in deep South. Right. Mm -hmm. The deep South. And um, and I know this guy and he would consider himself to have, have grown up in many of the ways that PJ has experienced. Mm-hmm. And Christ has radically changed his life. And so that encourages me. That doesn't mean that there's not great work to do and there aren't like just, mm -hmm. man, ugliness in our culture. There, there clearly is. But PJ, man, all I'm trying to say is there's hope. And so yeah. don't give up and, and don't give up based upon your experiences yeah. and what you found because there's guys like me that wanna be your cheerleader, yeah. mm -hmm. that wanna come alongside you and want you to be a dynamic young man and do great things with your life and then that's my hope and that's my heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, j just just know guys, there's lots of white people and some of them are racist and, and, and a lot of them aren't. Um, uh, but, but and, and all of us have something to learn and something yeah. to learn. So I didn't mean to minimize that at all. So thanks Derek for yeah. uh, bringing and that the, up. And it's the question too is right. Like how do I kind of, what does it say? Follow, best represent, best Jesus. represent Jesus, right? And, that, right. and so I, I like that that's the concern there. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, my concern here is I want to represent Jesus well, but I'm having this experience of, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have, let's list them, right? So like economic status, I don't have political status I don't, or power, right? I don't right. have, you know, what my race is doesn't afford me a position in society. Well, I mean, isn't that everything that Jesus had, right? right? Yeah. He did not have that kind of economic clout or political power. And he still said, all authority under heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in that authority, he sends us out. Right. Mm -hmm. So regardless of our actual circumstance or place in this society, we can still operate under and with the authority of Jesus mm. to, you know, represent him well. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that's the point, right? It's like representing Jesus well isn't this like one time, you know, big act. It's the 100, 200, 300 choices right. we make every day, mm -hmm. both in terms of conforming our character into his and loving other people. I mean, what the first and greatest commandment and the second commandment, right? Mm -hmm. We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love others. You don't need money to do that, right? You don't need position to do that. You don't need mm. power to do that. You right. know, we, that's just what we do regardless of our circumstance. And so yeah. I think that not only you know, do we have that, but we also have the precedent of what the people experience in the scriptures um, coming from those places. Right, and, and in PJ, you know, here's the lie, you know, is if, if our minority group can come into power, we'll make things right. The church became dysfunctional when they attained power. Mm -hmm. That's when everything went to hell. Right. <laughs> the church did well and was the most pure when they were not in power, they were not in positions right. of authority, and they were just trying to be, like, like Jesus, Jesus said, sheep among wolves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you become the powerful, you become the wolf. And it's really hard to be mm -hmm. like Jesus when you're not the lamb. Yeah. Right. That that's mm -hmm. just really, really hard. And so um, you know, and a lot of groups feel like they'll do it better. Well, I could I can tell you. You know, um, a lot of religious groups who believe they love Jesus with everything in them left persecution in Europe and they wanted to establish a place that reflected God. And what did they do? They 
burned witches at the stake. They, right. they fought one another. They slaughtered Indians and they enslaved black people. Their intentions were pure. The outcome was horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we all, that's, what, that's why we need to know history is you can have great intentions and still create awful, awful um, results. And so, um, I mean, right, the, many of them were called the Puritans. Yeah. I mean, that, that was their name. And, um, and there's a reason so much of the Northeast is just not Christian at all because it was just hypocritical and gross. Right. And, 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 it, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible to build a godly society because what has to change is our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so like laws just create, you know, just all these problems, right. um, you know, and, and that, you know, I mean, Jesus says that Moses allowed divorce because of your hard hearts. Yeah. Like it wasn't God's intent It's you guys are idiots. Mm. And, and, and that's the problem. And so, um, you know, that's what I see amongst a lot of these groups is it's this self-righteousness. And when we're in power, mm-hmm. well, you're probably gonna be exactly like the groups that came before you. Yeah. And we've got, you know, 4,000 years of history mm. that shows us just, you know, despite groups, whoever comes in power, they tend to not treat the people who are not in power well. Yeah. And, um, and, that, and that's, I mean, all over the world today as we speak, and it's, it's a real, real problem because the human heart, you know, needs to be changed mm-hmm. and, uh, and we need Christ. So, so again, PJ, love you. Uh, yeah. Appreciate, thanks Derek for pointing that out. Um, again, love people like Jesus did and Jesus crossed racial ba- uh, uh, boundaries. He crossed gender boundaries. Um, he cared for people um, and he died for us all, man. And so um, my heart breaks for your experiences. Um, well, and I just love, I feel like it points back to that verse you mentioned earlier from Romans where we talk about, you know, living peacefully with all the verse right before that says like repay no one evil for evil. So even if you are experiencing evil from people, like we're not called to repay that. And it says like, yeah. but give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. So mm. for you, it made me making decisions to not repay real evil and choose to do what's honorable. Um, and God sees that and God will honor yeah. that and bless And let God. me just, uh, you know, there is a difference between insult and assault. So I think we need to clarify that. Um, and this kind of goes back to, you know, why why we uh, choose to have armed undercover officers at Sandals Church and at Hunter Park Campus. We have a uniformed officer, sometimes two each and every week. Um, Christ has called us to take insults. Mm. But if somebody's trying to assault us, we have a responsibility to protect Correct. ourselves yeah. and protect our loved ones and protect mm-hmm. our group. And I think a lot of Christian organizations have gotten that confused and they get annihilated. Yeah. So you need to be really, really careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, you know, it, matter of fact, when you look at some of Jesus' instructions, as he talks about the end times, he uses the word fleeing many, many times. Um, and, and don't go back for your possessions. There are some times where you need to get out of a situation mm-hmm. um, and you need to do it quickly. And so matter of fact, Jesus tells the disciples to have swords on the night of his arrest. Yeah, mm-hmm. So right. yeah, we need we need to be careful. Now, Peter didn't handle that yeah, the best way. It wasn't way. exactly what he had in mind. Yeah, but... But what he's saying is, is you got to understand the times. You've got to be careful, and you got to you've got to care for yourself. And so, um, you know, so just so just understand that. You know, PJ, if somebody insults you, Christ has called you to handle that and love them. If somebody's trying to assault you, you have the right to defend yourself and, and get out of that situation. Right. Um, because we just need to understand. I just think it's really really important that we understand the difference between the two. Um, so, like at Sandals Church, you know, why do we have armed officers? If somebody's coming to insult us, that's fine. We're called to turn the other cheek and pray for our enemy. If somebody's coming in to assault us, it's our responsibility to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't wish harm on anybody. As far as it depends upon us, we want to be at peace with all people. But if somebody comes into one of our meetings to 
hurt people, they will be stopped. Yeah. And, and again, we don't wish them any harm. And so, um, you know, many people don't understand what it means to love your enemy. And I think uh, Dallas Willard said it best, it means to wish them well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but sometimes you have to stop your enemy. Yeah. Mm. And, and you don't hate them and you don't despise them, but sometimes you have to stop them mm-hmm. because they're going to do great harm. And so um, that's, that's the reality. This is like the longest episode I ever. know. So we're going to wrap it up now. <laughs> I, I blame Derek. Yeah. Uh, so just, I would love like one last thought from you, Pastor Matt. This is probably, I think the third time we've done an episode like this after something really oh, tragic no. has happened. Um, so likely things like this are going to keep happening. What are some good next steps for folks, you know, who are maybe facing fear, afraid to come to gatherings, mm. afraid to step out into, you know, hard social circumstances. What are some things that we can do to start taking steps forward and, you know, make a difference in our community or even overcome fear ourselves? What would you say? Just the final thought on that. Well, I think the first thing that we need to do as Christians, we need to be an example to Americans. We need to stop being led by fear. Um, I don't know if you guys are watching the political campaigns, but it's 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 both sides are completely motivated by fear. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm a gun owner. Uh, I believe in the second amendment. I think that's important, but I also believe clearly we have a problem with who gets guns. And so even if you're a, a right-leaning person, you, you believe in the NRA, we, we've got a problem. And we, and we need to figure out how to deal with that as a society because it's unlike any other community on earth. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're alone in this. Uh, this is very American, you know. To, Can I throw something in yeah. right there? I mean, I live in a place that gets in the news a lot for terrorist attacks. And so, you know, so people are asking me like, are you safe? Are you okay? Totally safe, right? It's, we got our finger on the pulse of it. You know what the people there think we're crazy for? is sending our kids to public school, right? Right. Yeah. They're like, why would you ever send your kids to public school in America? You know, th- this is from them, the country right. that people are calling me being like, are you safe? And they think, are you safe? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, it, wow. it's a- mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, so, so we have a problem and we need to quit, um, you know, reacting in fear because of what we're afraid they're going to do and, 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 and ask questions and, you know, uh, we've lost civility. And again, one of the things that scares me a little bit is this call for unity uh, America has never been unified. It's a democracy. People vote. And so unity, what, what both sides mean by unity is conformity. <laughs> Everybody, like when my Republican pastor friends call to pray for the unity of America, I, I tend to not go because what they mean is everyone to think like everybody us. needs to yeah. think like us and support Trump. And, and I, when Obama was in president, when there was a call for unity, what they mean is everybody needs to be, and I'm like, oh, geez, what we need is civility. And we're not teaching that in our mm-hmm. schools, it's not a part of our dialogue. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, when you and again, when you study the founding of America, there were passionate disagreements. I mean, passionate. And yet, you know, Thomas Jefferson is famous for saying, "I would never." Well, he wouldn't say unfriend because Facebook didn't exist, well. but he would never <laughs> cease to be somebody's fr- uh, friend because of religious, uh, philosophical, or political differences. It's one of his most famous quotes. Mm-hmm. And so they actually um, enjoyed dialogue. And so um, we need more of that, not less of it. And, um, um, you know, and again, so, you know, NRA toned down that talk, man, if you're on the left, we gotta have free speech at our universities. We gotta let people talk. We, you gotta have that. I mean, when you're eliminating free speech, it, 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 it's a scary, scary time. And liberals used to stand for something. And that was the, the freedom of ideas and, and the freedom. Mm. Of, and, and that's important. And I think they need to fall back in love with that because you guys have lost that a little bit mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's easy to do that. And so the left and the right, man, out of fear, they're abandoning, you know, um, why, why is it important that we have guns so that we have the freedom of ideas so that we, right? I mean, th- there's a reason behind that second amendment. Mm-hmm. And so 
we need we need to be able to dialogue and talk about that, but we also need to not let crazy people have guns and yeah. access to guns, and we need to deal with that. It is a real problem, and um, you know, um, so again, now that I've offended everyone, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great, uh, great point. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you, Derek, for uh, sitting you in bet. and joining the conversation, Tim for popping back in the show today. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to get some of the notes on and verses that Pastor Matt mentioned, our show notes are at debrief.show slash 124. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We can share some quotes from the show, learn about updates and things that are coming up. I uh, hope you guys have a yeah. great- Yeah, can I see something real quick? Absolutely. Just, just a couple social etiquette things. Let's go over real quick. <laughs> I love this segment of the show. Yeah, no, so, no. Social, social etiquette. etiquette. We need Pastor to talk Matt. about this. Don't just jump up in the middle of service. Like if you have to go to the bathroom, let's communicate with your bladder. And let's move gently and quietly towards the exit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't, if you're upset or offended, don't don't bang or close a door. I mean, you got to remember, guys, we live in a society where loud noises scare people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be aware. You're not the only person in the room. Um, you know, don't ever approach the altar unless invited. <laughs> don't do that, man. I mean, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes everybody uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives my kids nightmares. Uh, you know, be aware of others. That's one of the one of the problems with American society is we're socially clueless of everybody else. And so mm. just understand I'm engaging in a group process mm. and I'm a part of a church and I need to be aware that my movements, my gestures can make other people uncomfortable. And so, you know, um, pray before you walk into the lobby, pray before you park, ha- have a calm attitude, you know, don't scream at people, you know, because there's a problem with your kid check-in. Like, Maybe like what PJ, we all need to pray. How can I represent Jesus when I go to church? Like that, that would be a great prayer, PJ, yeah. for all of our, our church members who are totally offended at everything. And so just understand that you gotta be so careful. So like this next weekend, that's not a time to jump up and shout at the person speaking. Um, I mean, feel free to do that if you're at a campus where it's video. It might be awkward, but well, yeah. As someone who attends video campus, let's just let's just say yeah, no yes. shoulding. Just yeah. overall. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm uh, not a fan of shouting. But just you know, let me just say this, especially if you're Hunter Park, it's extremely vulnerable to stand on stage. Mm-hmm. I don't have a big pulpit. Mm-hmm. I cannot hide behind my iPad. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so just just know that and and we need to be socially aware. And if mm-hmm. somebody's doing something that seems not normal, we all need to be involved. Right. We like if somebody approaches the stage with a gun or something like that, they gotta need to go down like quickly, mm-hmm. we don't allow them to, to do that. And and that's that's the group community mm-hmm. uh, and we need to respond. And especially healthy young men or women, man, if you're strong and you're trained, you know, be attentive and, and be aware. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to do that. We have to protect each other, mm-hmm. um, you know? And again, I hate to quote government, but if you see something, say something, yeah. you know? Um, don't bring a bag full of, uh, you know, uh, auto parts. <laughs> church your backpack should not weigh 100 pounds yeah. you're not getting in with yeah. it you know and understand that we might want to look in it yeah like chill out you never know when you might need a new oil filter oh, you just always want to keep one on hand yeah yeah, yeah. there's an auto tip well you remember you saw when i picked up that backpack like <laughs> i said oh somebody forgot our backpack i picked this backpack yeah. up dude and i thought we're all dead yeah. and it was because it was Thankfully full of, it was it was full of guns and ammo because it was, <laughs> it was one of our security just, officers oh gosh, but okay. the second i picked oh dude, uh, not where i saw that going the second right, no, right. no I, I i knew the second i picked yeah. it up i was like and we're done so uh yeah. but it was our security and you right. know but it should have been in a locker or whatever and so you know yeah. save that stuff for home <laughs> yeah. um 
you know, and, and pray every week for the safety of our church yeah, and yeah. Um, and for the health of our nation because we got some sick people mm-hmm. out there yeah. that seem to have access to guns. So we love you. Yeah. Sorry for that social etiquette training hey, that's on good. the that's debrief. Good. It's good. We'll keep that segment going. <laughs>